Please be seated and let us pray. Lord, hallelujah. We pray that today you would hear our hallelujah, that you would hear our praise and that you would transform us. We recognize that we are in deep need and that you are the solution. We recognize that, uh, that we need your spirit here today to fall on us and that we, uh, we take these seats trusting that you will transform us so that when we rise again from these seats, that we will be a changed people and that we will know of your love and your acceptance, that you accept us with your ears and your eyes and your hands completely. And we know that in our deep heart's core. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I'd like you to take the fellowship pad and hand it down the row. I saw some stragglers in there. We want to make sure everybody uh, write something funny in the fellowship pad today. So go ahead and see if you can uh, entertain our office staff a little bit. You guys like the song Hallelujah? Anybody fans of that? Just show, show a hand if you've ever just felt that song meant something to you. Now, now show a hand if, if uh, the most meaningful time you heard it was on the Shrek soundtrack. Was that not the most meaningful time? It was. It was bong. Uh, oh, kids church. Let's, uh, kids, get out of here. Uh, there's tons of fun stuff to do that's not this. So go have a great time with uh, the pastor, the kids church staff. So um, the Hallelujah song is uh, written by Leonard Cohen. And he said it was one of the hardest songs that he ever wrote. And that he wrote 80 verses of that song, just trying to articulate his faith, just trying to bring words to the faith that he had. And he tells of one moment where he was on the floor of his hotel room at the Roy- Do you know where the Royalton Hotel is in New York City? Anyone know that hotel? He was on the floor of his hotel room in his underwear, and he was banging his head on the floor, trying to get the song right. I don't know if you've ever had that moment, not that moment, but if you ever had a moment like that in your life that is that deep of a struggle to articulate your faith, to understand your faith, and to come come to grips with your faith. And there's this one line in Leonard Cohen's song that says, do you know this song? The baffled king composing hallelujah. And then I think about that word baffled. What a great word he chose. To describe that moment between creative discovery and banging your head on what seems like it's an immovable barrier. And today we're looking at, as part of our change series, our change ahead series, a verse from the book of Acts to learn about how God formed the early church. And it's a story about Peter, the apostle Peter, who who really stepped out in a bold way. Now God called him, he was on top of his roof praying. And he was called to leave his town and go to another town and to preach to a bunch of people who'd never read the Bible before and who were not Christ followers and and were outside of the realm of anyone who'd ever been Christ followers before. So he goes, and this is where, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit interrupts Peter's sermon to these people. And this is the verse. It says, Acts 10, chapters uh, Uh, 44, no, 34 through something, something. All right, okay. So while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the circumcised believers who were with Peter, they were astounded that the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out. I love that image. Poured out even on the Gentiles for they were speaking tongues and they were extolling God. Then Peter said, 
Can anyone withhold the water? And imagine him picking up water and it just falling through his fingers. I love that image. Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just And then Peter ordered them to baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. And they invited Peter and him to stay for several days after that. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love that snapshot of Christian community at the very end of the verse. It says, so they invited him to stay for several days after that. This beautiful image of Peter and the disciples that were with him, his co-disciples, and they were staying with these newly baptized, newly converted people, people who are new in the faith. And they ate together, and they, they stayed together, and they celebrated together. And if we're looking at, at some kind of direction that God is sending us and sending Peter, it is to this experience of full community, of the fellowship of all people, of sharing life together with one another. And as we think about our own life and what God is calling us to, I think that we should remember that God is yearning for us to have that experience too, that experience of fellowship with our fellow human beings. And in this verse, we can find God grabbing hold of Peter, in transforming through God's power only, this is the only way this kind of stuff happens, through God's power only, transforming his understanding of what it means to have faith and what it means to live in community. And I think that we should think of ourselves like Peter. We should, we should think, how are we like Peter? And how is God guiding us in our faith journey just like Peter was? And Peter had three ingredients in his faith, that, faith journey that I think, in his journey toward full community that I think that we too need to have. And the first is a faithful heart, and the second is a deep place of need, and the third is a willingness to fail. So the first is a faithful heart, the second is a deep place of need, and the third is a willingness to fail. I'm not talking about willingness to kind of do okay. Willingness to completely fail. So let's start out with the faithful heart. Now, in our culture, we always wonder, how, you know, what is faithfulness? What's a good example of faithfulness? And we often think about dogs. Do you guys think about dogs when you think of faithfulness? And I actually think it's a really good idea to think about dogs. You see, dogs are really faithful. I have a little dog named Piper who is so faithful. It's a little Karen Terrier like Toto from The Wizard of Oz. And she's the smartest little dog you'll ever meet in your life. So when we first got her, we did a lot of training with Piper. And she has always been this dog that has wanted to really please us and to do good and to do the right thing. She's always wanted that, even today. See, but at the beginning, she was really obedient because we spent lots of time working together with her. And, and then uh, we had the first kid, and we spent less time with Piper. And then we had the second kid, and then the third kid. And basically, Piper doesn't get to spend any time with us. Uh, we, we sometimes forget that she even exists. Oh, yeah, where's Piper? I know, it's a little sad. Uh, but then she has, she has kind of invented her own rules as to what obedience looks like because she's forgotten what we really want. So she thinks that what we really want is for her to bark incessantly at the garage door when I open it and then bark incessantly when I close it and then bark incessantly at the birds as they fly over the house. She thinks she's pleasing us. She thinks this is her doing her job, then barking at the mail when it arrives. 
See, Piper has invented her own understanding of what faithfulness, faithfulness looks like because we just haven't been feeding her and training her and giving her and walking her along so that she understands what we want. Now, in our faithfulness to our master in heaven, to the one we are to, called to be faithful to, if we don't spend time with our master, if we don't spend time listening to the voice of our master and, and discerning what our master wants for us in our life, then we are always going to be trying to be good people. We're always going to be trying to do the right thing in life, but it's always going to be out of sync with what God wants for us in our life. So one of the best places to look in your life, if you're looking for God's voice, is, is in Scripture. And the other place is by talking to other Christians. Other people who are spending time with God and saying, is this sound like God's voice in life? Do you think that God is calling me to, um, to yell at a garage door when it's opening and closing? They probably say, no, that's probably not what God's calling you to do. And then through your prayer. And I love this verse. Peter is so faithful. At the beginning of this verse, he's on top of his roof praying, listening for God's voice in his life. And then he hears God's voice and God says, you're going to go and you're going to preach to a bunch of people you're not even supposed to legally be hanging out with. These people are off limits. They're Gentiles. They're non-Jews. You're not supposed to eat with them. You're not supposed to hang out with them. And by all means, you are not supposed to be baptizing them and welcoming them into the family. Because they're not clean. The things they do are outside of the norm. They don't, they're, they're out there. That's what Peter's world was telling him. But his God was telling him, you go over there and you preach to them. Something that Peter thought was completely impossible. I love Peter's faith. Remember Peter is the one disciple when he sees Jesus standing out on the waves of the great lake. And Jesus, Jesus calls out to the disciples and he says, come on, come on out on the lake. Peter's the only one who gets out and steps onto the waves. What a faithful guy. And we can learn a lot about Peter's faithfulness and his willingness to, to line himself up with God and to walk with God and to go anywhere that God would call him to go, no matter what. Now, the second thing I mentioned was that a deep need. Peter is one of the most flawed characters in all of, all of the Bible. I would say we just know more about Peter's flaws than other people in the Bible. I think that if any of us had as many personal flaws written into the words of a great biography, the book, that, the book that has been read by more people on the face of the earth, we'd probably be pretty embarrassed. But what Peter knew by walking alongside Jesus and learning Jesus's voice in his life is he learned that, that through Christ, his weaknesses are strengths. That through Christ, anything that was his failing could become the success and the victory in his life. Now, Peter didn't have armies at his command. He wasn't this kind of guy who had every opportunity afforded to him. He did have a simple life. He grew up as a fisherman on the shores of Galilee. But he was a complete mess up. He was the kind of guy that you would say, you should not live your life like that. And he knew it. He knew it deep down in his heart's core. Now, oftentimes, I would like to say that we think of a problem in our life. And we start thinking of all the things that can't be done. Isn't that true? We start thinking, oh, this is not possible. We think of the barriers and the impossibilities when God calls us to do something in life. But what we forget, and it's 
almost comical, is we forget that we're dealing with God. Remember God? God is the God of the universe, the God who could turn gravity upside down or just turn off the sun with a mere command. That when we're dealing with God, we're dealing by nature with a power that is beyond our ability to comprehend it. And so when Peter encounters God and God's commands to do something that he thought was completely impossible, he knew that if God was leading the way, that God would show the way. See, that place of need turns us in our life to a place of reliance on God because we know that we don't have what it takes and that we know that God is the only one who can provide us with what we need in order to move forward. God built on Peter's faithfulness as he stepped forward. And Peter just shared what he knew about God. He went to that house and he just, he preached to a bunch of people who'd never read the Bible before and never been to church before. And he just spoke what he knew. But what the miracle that happened was when the Holy Spirit, when God came into that space and and fell on the people. And it says that all who heard the word were transformed. Everyone who heard the word was transformed. Now, the third thing that we look at is this, this is the kicker. This is the big one. It's a willingness to fail. A willingness to fail. This is where Peter's faithfulness that we talked about earlier and his place of need come together. Peter demonstrates that he senses that God is at work and he has an opportunity for radical growth of the church. And he steps out a bold way and he's willing to fail. He's willing, willing to flop. Now, of course, Peter could never have gotten to this point if he had not spent time with God, praying with God, listening for God's voice in his life. But what makes Peter the most remarkable person in history is that he had a consistent willingness to fail and to step out in bold ways. Remember when he was in the boat with his father and his brothers on the shore and he first met Jesus. Jesus is walking alongside the shore, and he yells out to Peter, who's just sitting there on the shoreside in the boat, mending nets with his family. And and Jesus says, come follow me. Now, Peter's in a relatively secure and comfortable occupation. They had a boat, nets, they had the family business. Everything was pretty much well planned out for him in his life. But then Jesus says, come follow me. And Peter walks away from the comfortable thing, the thing that's secure, the the thing that's known, the thing that is obviously the easy way to go, and he steps out in a bold way. And he follows Jesus for the rest of his life. When he's out on the the boat with those disciples in the storm, and then he sees Jesus in the midst of the storm standing out on on the ocean, and he hears Jesus say, come on, just get out of the boat and walk on the water. You can do it too. Peter actually gets out at his own peril. He might die, is going through his head, but he's willing to follow Jesus at any cost. And then can you imagine, Peter knows that he has, a, he's, he was known as the first pope. Have you ever heard of Peter referred to as the first pope? Or the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem? He was the first leader of the church. He had everything to lose. And he's out there uh, praying on the roof. I, his, his original name is Simon. Simon Peter is what they call him. Uh, Peter was kind of like his, uh, his preaching name. Like people have singing names. He had a preaching name, Peter the Rock. And he was staying with another guy named Simon. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I just think it's funny that Simon and Simon, it was the first episode. Um, but they were staying at Simon the Tanner's house. So that's all I wanted to say. But Peter, Peter is this guy who's in, who has everything to lose. 
And he now hears God's voice to him to go out and do something that he knows that the entire body of Christ's followers think is absolutely wrong. Completely wrong. This is, this is way off track, is what they would tell him. In fact, after Peter did this, he was called to the carpet. He was called to the carpet in Jerusalem called the Jerusalem Council. All of the elders, all of the pastors took him on the carpet and they said, you should not have done this. This was the wrong thing for you to do. But Peter held his ground. And he said, for this church to grow and for us to make the opportunities that are available to us, we have to do radical things, whatever those are. For us to be able to reach the people that are beyond these doors, we are going to have to do radical things too. And I don't know what those are, and we're going to have conversations about those. They can be, they can be anything. There's 10 ways to get there. And we don't have to overthink what ways those are, and we will be having a lot of conversations about it. But the reality is, to stay in our own place of comfort is not acceptable, and that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to be willing to fail, to go out on a limb, to be willing to go to that place where everything might fall apart. Believe it. That's what he called Peter to do. And that's where real life takes place. That means that in your life, as you're thinking about in business, what is the logical decision? What is the thing that I can do? Some of you may be in business right now, and you may be feeling that God is calling you to go to seminary. That's crazy. You want to go home and tell your spouse that? Well, I just heard that message today, and I feel like God is calling me to be a pastor. Some of you may feel like you have been on one track as an athlete or as, a, as an occupation, and you have been feeling this pull of God to go and do something that you've never done before, you've never had any training in, you have no experience in, and yet God is calling you to step out in a way that doesn't make any sense. And the people around you are going to tell you, that, that doesn't mean plus one not get you there. Now, when you do that, and this is important, this is something that we should all learn to do more and more, and I've learned to do in my own life. So when you make a critical decision, you need to those three ingredients. You look to scripture. You have that big conversation with all of the Christ followers, right? And now we're going to be doing a lot of that. A lot of those big conversations about how to move forward. And you listen for God's voice in your life. That's very Presbyterian, by the way. If you, if, uh, it's, it's not all of the denominations go that way. Do you want to know what's on top in Presbyterian? Scripture. And so we believe that all things are filtered through Scripture. Imagine that Scripture is this great filter. So you take all your dumb ideas or your good ideas, right? And then you put them in the, in the filter of Scripture and you shake it through. And anything that falls out is good stuff. And anything doesn't, you just... Scripture just said, that's not, that's not a good idea, right? Then you, have, you continue to have that prayerful conversation with God. And you have that conversation with the community. Number one... Always. It's called uh, sola scriptorum. Doesn't that make me sound very smart? It's the only Latin I know, so it's pretty sad. Sola scriptorum. Only scripture. You go through scripture first. Whatever falls out, that helps you identify whether that was a good idea from God or whether it was an idea that just maybe you came up with. And that we'll be doing a lot of that too. As we move forward as a community, have trust and faith that we'll do it together. That we'll... They'll walk forward and we'll take all the ideas and we'll say, that didn't look very scriptural. And I, I appreciate it. We need to ha- speak these words of wisdom into each other's lives. That, that didn't look very scriptural. And then we'll move forward in faith and love. And, and boy, 
The big one is grace. See, Peter, Peter and the whole Christian community that were all Jewish at the time, they thought that the Gentiles could not be loved because they ate pork, because they violated the kosher laws, because they weren't living a clean life, because they had made so many mistakes that they were clearly not deserving, that somehow they couldn't fit into God's plan. There's one example beyond all examples of the willingness to fail. Of Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. His sacrifice covered up all of our failings. One of the things about the cross is that Jesus could never have gotten to the cross if every single person along the way hadn't abandoned Jesus. All of his disciples failed to show up at his trial to even say a single good word about him. Can you imagine? He walked with them for three years. They were his best friends in the whole world, world and they wouldn't even say one good thing about him at his trial. All of the church abandoned Jesus. All of the government and the laws that were there to protect Jesus and innocent people, they abandoned Jesus. It was total abandon of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus took all that on and said, this will be covered in my grace. That though we have all abandoned Jesus and we feel that tug of conviction that, that someone died because we turned the other way, we know that we had the responsibility to have a voice and to stand up for the innocent one. But Jesus says, you're forgiven. You receive this grace, this power, this love in a way that, again, we can't comprehend. But that's not the end. The end of the story we get to be a part of. The story where we get to step out in faith knowing that Jesus Christ will guide us with his power and that as we become ever more faithful, we will be asked to take increasingly risky steps in our lives. And if we make mistakes, if we make mistakes, God's grace is going to cover it. Not just God's grace from above, but God's grace from each other as we extend it to one another, as we draw closer to what Peter was experiencing there. The fellowship, the love of the community, the staying together, the eating together, and the celebrating together. So I invite you to worship with me and to continue in prayer as we continue our celebration in our festival here this morning. Dear God, thank you so much for this good news that, that we, don't, we don't have what it takes. Uh, that, that even when we're not faithful, God, that you come in and that you cover that and that we just need to listen to your voice in our life. And Lord, help us to listen to your voice in Scripture and listen to your voice from one another and listen to your voice through prayer and reflection. And God, help us to, to grow as a community, not just individuals, but as a community with one another, helping each other and walking along so that we get there together. And Lord, we pray and yearn for those people who are not experiencing the lo love and life of this worship service and this community. And we pray that we would not see obstacles or barriers, but that we would reach deep into this community and preach deep into this community and that your Holy Spirit would fall on those people who don't know your love and that we would experience the fullness of community that you yearn for for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.